Hi, this is Leadership and Latte. I'm Crystal Roberts, and I'm here virtually with my co-hosts, Trisha Ryan and Dr. Danielle Lord. And we have a special guest with us, Michael Hudson. We're happy that you've joined us today. Today, we're talking about coaching, leader as coach, and coaching leaders. In the last episode, Trisha, Danielle, and I introduced and explored this topic. So take a listen if you're interested. Today, we're continuing to dig deeper into this really important topic for leaders, and we're honored to have a special guest with us, as I said, Michael Hudson, to help us in this endeavor. So grab a cup and let's talk about leadership. So welcome, Michael. Uh, before I get to reading your official bio, I wanted to share a personal story about Michael. So trust me, it's, it's a good one. <laughs> I won't embarrass you. <laughs> Um, so I first met Michael a few years ago when I was getting my coaching certification through Hudson Institute of Coaching, and I didn't actually know that who I was speaking with was Michael Hudson. Um, they start us out in the, the training uh, in a large group, and then they break us down into these cohorts, and Michael was part of my cohort. And I experienced this uh, gentleman to be smart and kind and funny and very humble. The kind of person that you feel good about being around and easily to trust. And we all had our doubts about our ability during the program and we're stretched by the program. We had to really lean in and be vulnerable. And Michael did all of that and no different than anyone else. Then I think it was maybe on the second day and these were super long days. So each day felt long, like a long day. Um, I realized who Michael actually was. Uh, so he was not just any Michael, he was Michael Hudson, the son of the founder of the company and recently named Chief Operating Officer. So why am I telling this story? Uh, because I think it shows and tells a little bit about Michael's character and why I respect you, Michael, so much. Um, you're humble, you're a person who's willing to lean in and be vulnerable. Um, and even when you're with your customer, I thought that was so brave of you. And also number two, that he cares so much about your company, um, about Hudson, that you really understand, um, that you really wanted to understand what it meant to go through the program. You did all the homework, all of the, um, the outside coaching hours that you had to have. Um, you really wanted to understand what did it feel like? What did it, what was it like to actually be a member of the learning group? And also, you know, you could have, as the new member of the team, uh, the leadership team, you could have just observed, you could have watched from behind, but you didn't, you did all that work. And also, even in the end, you had to do the final exam and, and you had to sit for the practical exam and be judged by your own employees, which I thought, wow, that, that is so courageous. And, uh, and so for all of that, I thought I wanted to share that story because it really does tell who, your character and who you are. So thanks for being here, Michael. I really respect you. And I'm grateful um, to have had that unique experience to be able to go through the program with you and also to be, call, be able to call you a friend. Okay, so formal bio. Michael serves as a COO at the Hudson Institute of Coaching, an early leader in the field of coaching. He leads the organization's coach certification program, organizational growth and strategy, and also works as a coach himself. Michael is passionate about generating a positive impact in the world 
and he believes coaching is a powerful medium for developing leaders and creating a more purpose-driven world. Prior to Hudson, Michael spent 10 years living in the developing world, working in social entrepreneurship. Much of this time was spent living in Kenya, where he worked with a startup social enterprise called One Acre Fund, which works to deliver life-improving services to smallholder farms across East, Eastern, East and Southern Africa. He held a senior leadership role at One Acre Fund and developed an intimate understanding of the importance of leadership in a high growth environment. One Acre Fund continues to amazing work, improves the lives of a, and improving the lives of a million small holders each year. So that's pretty, pretty incredible. Michael is lucky to have an incredible partner in his life, Heidi, and a six-month-old son, Percy, who is absolutely the cutest thing ever. <laughs> the, their Christmas card was my favorite. It was so cute. They live in San Francisco, California. When he's not coaching or spending time with his family, Michael enjoys running in the mountains. So another amazing thing that Michael does, um, he has completed several ultra marathons over the years, including two 100-mile mountain races, and he's always in search of the next adventure. So thank you, Michael, for joining us again on this podcast. Um, we know that the field of coaching continues to grow uh, at an amazing rate. And of course, uh, it's a family business for you. Uh, but could you tell us your story and how you've gotten to where you are today? Absolutely. And thank you three for having me here today. It's such a pleasure to join you. And uh, Crystal, thank you for the, the kind words and the introduction. I also have a lot of respect for you and uh, got so much out of getting to know you through the certification program. Um, I think that, you know, my, my story uh, really is kind of, I, I think, rooted in a, a core value of mine around uh, impact, wanting to generate a positive impact on the world around me. And it's something that actually uh, started fairly young for me. You know, when I was in high school, my aunt, uh, Tony McLean, she uh, was living in Nairobi with her partner. And she invited me at the age of 16 to, to go out and spend three weeks with her in Kenya. And uh, she, she showed me around Nairobi, took me around uh, the region a little bit. And it, it really opened my eyes. I, I grew up in Southern California and it really opened my eyes to um, what the bigger world was like. And I remember feeling frustrated and upset by the way that there were kids who are just my age who had so much less than me, but they seemed to have the same hardware. You know, they were, they were clever. They, they liked to play sports. They were interested in the same things, but they, they just didn't have the same doors open for them. Yeah. And so, I, I left that experience feeling like I wanted to make sure that I spent my life um, doing things that made the world better, um, that, that made an impact, you know, for, for people like that and, and, and just more broadly um, to, to use my life wisely. And, and so that's something that I've really been committed to. And um, in, in my bio, you, you referenced the time that I spent internationally and um, that's what a large part of my career was dedicated to, um, working in the developing world in, in Vietnam and also in Kenya. And I learned a lot about the world in that time. Um, also a lot about leadership. You know, in, in Vietnam, I, I was young. I, I had no idea what I was doing when I went over there. And um, I had the opportunity to really understand that 
you know, everything I thought I knew how to do, there was another way to do it. And so it was sort of a, you know, a two-year study in humility um, going to Vietnam, rural Vietnam, you know, five or six hours outside of Ho Chi Minh City by bus, not a lot of foreigners out there, and just spending two years adapting to a different uh, culture and a, and a different context. It's a great learning experience. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my East Africa experience um, was a bit different in that it was a lot more career driven, but it, but it was still rooted in those values of, you know, wanting to figure out how to m- make an impact on, on the world in a positive way. And um, I, I was lucky enough to join an organization that was really small uh, mm-hmm. and that was growing very rapidly. And I joined because I was passionate about microfinance. But over time, I learned that actually the way that I was going to have an impact was through my leadership ability. Mm, yeah. And I needed, I needed to think about, you know, how can I inspire others? Mm-hmm. How can I communicate our, our mission more effectively? How can I bring together managers to, to be more effective in their roles as leaders? And this became the bottleneck. It wasn't how smart could I be at microfinance. It, it was how effective can I be as a leader and how, how effectively can I unlock leadership capacity in others? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so for me, that was a yeah. turning point in my career where, where I realized that perhaps um, where my passion is, is not in the technical work, but it's actually in that more human oriented work that unlocks potential that allows me and, and others to be more effective. And so now, this was um, around the 10-year mark for me working internationally, and it took about that long for me to realize that this is the work that my parents have been doing for, for all of this time, yeah. <laughs> for decades. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think this is how I got, this is how I came to coaching was, um, you know, the long way around, but really discovering it in practice, what, why this work is so important, why de- developing leaders in an individualized way based on the context that they're in. Uh, is so important because because I really um, felt that and and you know at One Acre Fund I I had a coach, and uh, Hudson actually partnered with that organization to coach the the top fifteen or twenty leaders for five years, and so I really got to experience the the impact of coaching not on an individual level but on an organizational level over a prolonged period. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, and so um, powerful. I think. Um, and this is maybe a little personal, but um, it's wonderful that you made your own choice to say, hey, I want to go and experience the world and make an impact on the world before I come and join um, the family business in Hudson, because you definitely came to that passion on your own and could see how, how you came to the understanding, the impact that coaching can have by being out there and being a leader mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the individual contributor level, but then rising to that that leader and seeing, hey, there are some things I can learn about this. And I know I wanna be, pat- I can help other leaders and be passionate. And I think that's what's so important about leaders um, is that it coming from the ground up, then you do understand what other people are going through rather than just starting at the top. So I think that was, um, and you know, and that I was going to, I was thinking that actually connects so well with the story I was even just telling about how you went through the Hudson program, right? I mean, that seems like a core value of yours. It's like, I need to understand this first before I lead it. So, um, so that, 
that's really um, um, that's awesome. That's great. I love hearing that you. It took you ten years to really start to see, you know, that that gift of having been a leader, having grown into leadership, and I think often leaders. Um, we have a lot of leaders that go into leadership right out of college. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. What they miss is that experience that they so desperately need to, you know, grow those skills and, and become, um, the gifts and the talents that we really need in leadership. I think we have yeah. some gaps today for that, for that very reason. So that's wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. And I would add to that too, Trisha, ego. You know, when you come into something where it almost feels like it's been given to you, whether you've worked for it or not, you know, there, there's a lot of ego that I think gets in the way with that as well. So, yeah, yeah. And so, Michael, I have the next question for you, but I, I love what you said about unlocking the capacity of others. That it was a statement that you said that really resonated with me. And one thing that we talk about so much in this podcast is really the ethics of leadership, right? That you, you get into this role of being a leader and there's an ethical aspect to that, an ethical imperative, if you will. So uh, that, that uh, statement really stuck out for me. But um, so the question, uh, as I get to it then is, you know, and we, we have, the three of us at least have kind of experienced this in organizations where we have introduced this idea of leadership, executive leadership coaching, and now we've also got in our lexicon this idea of leaders as coaches. And I think sometimes there's some confusion around that at the organizational level. So how would you describe those differences between coaching leaders and leaders as coach? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think uh, an important one to create some clarity around because they are different, uh, but clearly there's overlap. So I, th so I think for me, the foundational skills, there are so many foundational skills from coaching um, that overlap with the skills of a great leader. Um, you know, I think, how do you show your team that you care? How do you connect with your people? How do you inspire your people? Um, how do you ask strong questions? listening. You know, th these are foundational skills from coaching that when leveraged as a leader can make you more effective. And it's my personal belief that every great leader has somehow, one way or another, unlocked the ability to coach. Um, and, you know, that's not always through formal training, mm -hmm. but I think one way or another, great leaders figure this out. Um, you know, as, as Edgar Schein would say, how do we learn to ask more and tell less? How do we show our humility as leaders? It's, it's through this that we can actually work with others to let new things emerge, as opposed to executing on what we already know to be true or already believe to be true. And so I think this is where the magic of uh, leader as coach comes into play, is you know, taking that humble stance, asking questions, uh, really leveraging the talent of the team around uh, around the leader, as opposed to kind of imposing the leader's ideas on, on others. Um, I think really importantly, you know, an, another aspect of that leader as coach is uh, knowledge of self. Um, we really have to know ourselves <laughs> yes. to be, to, to lead well. Yeah. And I, I think it's possible that this is something that has not been emphasized enough. Um, it certainly is not something that is taught in school, as far as I'm aware of. 
And um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's this uh, this great thinker in the field of coaching and leadership development, uh, Manfred Ketstevries, a professor at INSEAD. And he talks about, you know, the importance of knowing thyself. He, he talks about how, you know, the way that we interact with our teams and our organizations, it's a, a product of our inner theater. You know, all of these things going on inside us that are, that are a result of our life's experience. Um, you know, our early childhood experiences mm -hmm. and all of these things. And we have to study those things. We yeah. have to study our inner theater, uh, understand it better, uh, look for the patterns. And with that, we can start to understand, you know, why is it that we're effective here, but not there as a leader? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, this is the work of a coach as well. So, so, so I think it's, it's where the, the overlap is. Um, and I think increasingly we know that to be an organization that draws top talent, an organization where people really want to work, we have to think about building a culture of development. It's not enough to just be on task. <laughs> We have to be accomplishing the task and also developing the people as people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I think you know that that's what a a leader who has coaching skills can do. You know, beyond what a, what a leader who's who's just strong technically can do. Um, and so when we're coaching, we're we're also focused on development. Um, but but I think it's a bit different in, in the sense that you know in a in a formal coaching relationship. The coach has a depth and breadth of skill that is not necessarily required for the leader as coach. Um, you know, uh, if a, I mean, I know all of you have experienced this, but when a client comes to a coach with an issue, something that's really important to them to change and probably important to their organization too, the stakes are high and it's not, it's not an easy thing. You know, it's not just something they thought of that morning. This is probably something that they've worked to change for years and years. It's the hard stuff. And so as a coach to work with a client on that sort of issue, you have to, you have, to have a deep understanding of how change happens. It's not just about listening and asking some good questions. You have to understand how change happens. And what we know at, at Hudson is you have to have a map you know, some sort of way to guide yourself through the change process. We call that uh, a methodology. Um, but without that, um, it's quite difficult to navigate a client through um, a really effective and long lasting change process around issues that are truly important. Um, so, you know, whereas the leader is using coaching skills to um, help ideas emerge, to inspire others, to uh, demonstrate empathy, the coach is really holding and facilitating a change process. And so I think that's maybe where I would look at the, the edges and some of the differences between those two roles. Wow, that was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, a great um, explanation of that intersectionality that occurs, but some really practical advice for leaders out there who are hoping to take on more of that leader as coach role. So really great practical pieces there. Thank you so much for that. Yes, I yeah. have that was just so rich. I was thinking, gosh, there's a nugget after nugget after nugget in this. And, and part of that is something that we all three um, have a lot of passion around, and that is that the leader really does need to be self-aware. And, yes. and still they are. There's just no way to really move them uh, to be, I think, better leaders of others. And so that was wonderful. When, I have to say, Crystal, I'll... I'll back off in a second, but one of the things that you said in the beginning when you were talking about your story was that 
impact is your passion and that is really mine. And so um, that is, this is it exactly, you know, when we're talking about uh, leader as coach or coach as leader is that the impact that one has on their surroundings. And so really it's how do we, how do we get people to see the impact they're having and then enable them to discover ways to um, either change it or enhance it. That's very, thank you. Crystal, were you gonna say something? Uh, yeah, just uh, also, I think the other thing that I really liked about that explanation was um, that I, I do think that oftentimes some leaders anyway, um, believe that they can be coaches. And I do think, again, leader as coach, but that's a certain set of skills. The, the time that it takes and the depth that a coach, an executive coach goes into is much different. And, um, and I think sort of the, uh, the thing I love about when you have a coach, an executive coach, is that they, they're on your side. And we'd all like to think that our leaders are on our side. <laughs> but I think, you know, we have to be real. They're about performance. They're about, they are, leaders are about um, trying to meet their goals and that sort of thing. So um, I think that that distinction, that sort of motivation is different. So when you're, Michael, when you were talking about using the, the models and the methodology um, the, those are deep things and, and it takes time to work through those. Um, and so that's, that's what the coach is doing. That's what their job is, is to really focus and be present and with you on this journey, which is just a very different, it's a different role. So, um, so that, that was really, really helpful. Thanks, Michael. And it's so funny too, um, as, as you were talking, as Trisha, you were saying, oh, nugget after that, I was thinking, we should be recording this. I thought, oh no, we are. <laughs> we are recording it. I'll be listening to it over and over. Yeah, yeah. Get out your pen, right? Let's take some notes. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Well, I am up for number the next question. And and actually, you know, this last your last response, I think, kind of fits nicely with this next question. And it's really from your perspective. What impact has this past year, which has been just absolutely unprecedented, if you want to use the word, um, filled with dramatic change and uncertainty, what has the impact been on coaching? Yeah, it's a big question. I, and I think it's something that we're still learning um, exactly how it's unrolling. Um, but. Um, you know, through our certification program, we are, are working with coaches in training who are working with a lot of different clients over the course of that program. And then our broader community um, is also a pretty interesting source of information on um, what, what is the pulse out there? You know, what, what, are the, what are the new conversations that we as coaches are having with clients? And I'm sure the three of you have also um, seen a, a certain shift in, in the conversations that are happening. Um, I think it's, it's been a profoundly challenging year for everyone, some, some more than others, but profoundly challenging. And it's, it's been one where privilege has been intensified, inequities have been intensified. Um, many people have experienced great loss. 
And so I think as a result of these things, the uh, hue of conversations that happen in coaching relationships has changed as well. Um, you know, one of the things that comes up that I think is, uh, I've personally experienced quite a bit in my coaching is the way in which um, certain boundaries in life have dissolved. So, um, you know, I think we used to have a coaching conversation with a client. We might be sitting at an office in a meeting room and we would be coaching the client who is in their role as, you know, manager of X, director of Y. And, um, and there would be a certain sometimes discomfort talking about other roles that that person might play in life. You know, what about their mother role or father role? Um, you know, all of these other things that, that, you know, in reality that client brings to the table when they sit down as a client. Um, and I think we all have, have experienced now when we get on Zoom with a client, that client might be sitting at a kitchen table with kids running around, their partner might be making lunch for themselves in the background. And it's as if the, the boundaries between their life systems have just kind of dissolved and, and everything is mixed up into a big soup. And, you know, in a way that that's more true to who we are, um, to who we are as clients when we sit down to work with a coach. And I think as coaches, that opens the door for talking about the, the whole person. And, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with, um, showing up at meetings on time, you know, you, you have the, you have all of this rich data right there on screen now when, when you're talking to your clients. And I think clients are also more uh, forthcoming with the challenges related to the way the different systems in their lives are meeting. And, and so I think that's a big one. You know, whole person is, is so important, I think. We can't ignore the, the other aspects of our lives and can't ignore our past if we want to talk about the present and the future and, and all of those things. And I think that um, especially early on in a coach's development, it can be a little bit stressful to, to imagine asking some of those questions. And I think we're now invited by the context to talk about those things. So I think that's, that's great. And I hope that that stays for us as coaches. I hope we learn the, the value of that and we can be a little bit more bold perhaps. Um, can follow up on that just for a second. Um, I, I am grateful for the methodology because um, I think it has helped me as, as lines have become a little more blurry, especially when people are so stressed out, um, keeping very uh, strong alliance with the ICF competencies around what, or the ethics, what is coaching, what is um, therapy, you know, in some cases, it's sort of hard to find that line sometimes when people are sitting at their kitchen table and their children are hanging on their arms and they're trying to have a conversation about how they feel about whatever's going on at work when what's going on at work is that their folks are still so. So have you had um, any any thoughts on that, you know, or any, any feedback from others around that? Yeah, um, it's, you know, the, the, the question about, you know, therapy, um, versus coaching is, is certainly one that comes up. And I think especially in these times when people have a emotional need to um, process some often externally to, to process um, what's going on and put words to feelings for the first time. Um, I, I do think that that's valuable in coaching, uh, especially right now. And, and I think what I would say about, you know, how to, how to think about how I think about the boundary there is 
you know, as a coach, I do want to understand the experiences um, that my client is having outside of work and perhaps in their past as well. Um, but I'm not looking to resolve those past experiences or traumas, and I'm not uh, diagnosing them either. I just want to surface them and then, and then bring us into the present to see if awareness of the past can inform uh, decisions we want to make in the present. And so I'd, I'd say, you know, uh, that, that's maybe just a way to think about it. We, we can't ignore those things. And, and in fact, we, we should seek them out. Um, but the way that we use them once we touch on things uh, is quite a bit different, I think, in coaching versus psychotherapy. Thanks for that. I, I think that I have a few leaders um, who are clients of mine who struggle with that themselves. They're trying to coach, but they are actually trying to help. And mm. glad they're trying to help. And it crosses the line sometimes. And so it's a little hard to show them the difference. But thank you. Good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, something else that you mentioned was um, how stressed people are. I think this is another theme that we are feeling as coaches, right? I mean, there's just pervasive anxiety yeah. uh, out there in the world and it shows up in our coaching for sure. And um, we are creating a container sometimes for you know this feeling that our client has. We're creating a space for them to process that and, and hopefully then to, to get to a different place with it by putting it to words. Maybe they can, um, they can approach it in a different way and get different results. But that um, pervasive anxiety, I think, is a, is a really big theme. And, um, and I think that it calls on us as coaches to think about our presence in different ways. You know, um, really being awake to, I as a coach need to understand this individual's experience in, in the pandemic. There's not a, you know, a five-step plan that's going to help all of my clients. I really need to be present to what's going on with this individual and support them in their own way. And so I think that that's something that comes up for me too is anxiety and addressing it with uh, increased presence. Thank you. Yeah, and I would say that that extends into leaders, <laughs> leaders as coaches as well, you know, and really getting leaders to understand and, you know, maybe there is some real value in going through this experience as, as you shared, Michael, with opening up and, and um, blurring some of those boundaries of really helping leaders to understand that there's a lot more to us. Uh, you know, we are much larger and I always like to use the whole person as well because we, you know, for so many years we've been battling this, right? Leave your, leave your worries at the door, leave your, your home stuff at the door and they come with us no matter where we go. And uh, so maybe this, there, there will be a beneficial outcome of all of this is getting leaders to really recognize that um, we are more than just the sum of what shows up at work every day. So, yeah, so true. All right, I have the next question. Um, what are the, and this is very, actually very connected to what we just were talking about. Um, what are the opportunities or lessons that we can take with us from living through these times? Pretty broad. <laughs> yeah, I love the question. I'm just, I'm just thinking about it because I, I love the question. And I, I think, um, you know, we don't want to gloss over the, the pain and loss of this experience by just seeking out the silver lining, but we would uh, be, it would be a mistake to not look to harvest what we can from this as well. 
And so we have to be able to do both, I think. Um, I think, you know, what, one overarching idea that I've been thinking about, at, especially as we get close to this possibility of a new normal emerging, is um, you know, what do I want to retain from this experience? I think we've all experienced a certain slowing down of life. You know, even though we're, we're working, those of us who are lucky enough to, to still have our jobs, we're working. Um, but there's been a certain slowing down, almost like a shrinking of communities and a different kind of connectedness. And what do, what do I want to retain from this? I think we could all ask ourselves, what changes have I made that have made a difference in my life that I, that I want to retain? And, um, and for me, that, that is a big opportunity. When you, when you take all of life's processes and routines and throw them up in the air and, and shift them around, uh, there, there must be an opportunity to find some, uh, some ideas that we weren't letting ourselves consider before this happened. Um, I think that there are a lot of practical things that, that have become more important in, in my mind. Um, you know, we need to care more about one another. That's, that's a huge theme that has come out of this for me. Um, if you look at, you know, just some of, some of the things that are happening around us, uh, vaccine distribution, and, you know, is it the privilege to get the vaccines first? And then, and then the rest of the population, it, we're, we're all connected in this. I think we're living in a big open system. We can't um, imagine that what I'm doing only affects me or only affects my organization. Everything that we do permeates out into society and we have to care more about one another. I think that's, that's a big thing um, that comes out of this pandemic. Um, you look at the, the ways that communities rallied around supporting businesses to help them survive, small businesses to, to help them survive through this time. And that was inspiring. Um, I think there's, there's been, the pandemic has been an exercise in not knowing, um, right? So uh, not knowing what's gonna happen to me, to my job, to my family, to my health, um, and I think for all of us, we've had to cozy up a little bit to uncertainty. And I think that, you know, th this is germane to coaching, right? Um, and, and it's something that we will work on forever as coaches, getting better at um, sitting with uncertainty. And I think when we can do it well, it allows us to, to truly hear our client, what they're experiencing, what it's like for them, and perhaps find with them a new perspective that's useful. Um, and so I think that idea of getting more, com more comfortable with the unknown is something that if we can transport it to our work as leaders or as coaches, it's really valuable. And, and, and it's kind of a challenging thing to study and develop. And so I, I do think we've been in this sandbox around that during the pandemic. Yeah, okay. I agree with, with, with all of those. Um, and I think for for me, one of the ones that really resonated is the that we are holding. I mean, I think we call it intersectionality, where you're holding two things at once, at least two things at once, right? I in the past, I think it was a little more these are good or they're bad, or this is you know a happy feeling. You have to be happy or you're sad. You're one or the other. But when I talk with people about their experiences, it really is this ex the extremes of happiness and sadness at the same time. You know, there's really profound things that have happened that 
we've been able to find the good in the gifts of the of the slowing down and at the same time there's been real grief in some of letting go of some of the things that have been missed so um and that that's okay that that both can exist at the same time Mm -hmm. so um yeah thanks for sharing that michael yeah. yeah. And in fact, being comfortable with both of those at the same time is is probably a signal of, of really uh, great growth for us, you know, to be able to hold those simultaneously. I think that's where the action is, right? Yeah. 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 And the freedom to, to let go of what should be, to say, okay, this yeah. one, it, it is, this is what is. Yeah. Yeah. Or what those um, kind of often unwritten expectations are. <laughs> as well yeah mm-hmm. so great yeah great so um <clears throat> michael from your work with leaders and and we've kind of touched on this uh, earlier you know like I, like trisha said you're you're dropping so many great nuggets or maybe it was crystal <laughs> or, <laughs> I, I i like to call them easter eggs but <laughs> um you've given us so many great easter eggs already and we you touched on this in our previous question but i think it really bears repeating because it was so powerful and impactful and has such um, immediate things that leaders can begin to do, but what advice do you have for, for leaders who are trying to become better coaches? Well, we're not really in the business of giving advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but if I have to, um, you know, I would say, in my experience, you know, what, what's useful for one leader is unlikely to be useful for the next leader. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, this idea that when, when I reflect back on my, my growth as a leader, you know, early on when I, when I went out to Kenya and I was helping to build this organization, I wanted quick fixes. I wanted, what's the handbook on how to do this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can, can, even when I was working with a coach, I was thinking, wow, can I just kind of get the how-to on this and, <laughs> and get back to work? And um, it's an illusion, right? It's, yeah, it's a yeah. fantasy that there's going to be a quick fix for something yeah. like this. And so I think that um, the best advice is, you know, to, to kind of come to that conclusion as quickly as possible and, and realize that the answers are going to, they're going to be inward, uh, inward looking for us as leaders. And so I, I guess in service of that, probably the best advice would be go get some feedback. Mm. Um, you know, go pick three people who you trust. They don't need to be, you know, your manager or could be anybody in your life who, who knows you well, knows how you show up with others and go get feedback. Ask them, you know, what are some small changes that I could make in order to be more effective? What's the one thing that I could do to improve our relationship? Um, and listen to that feedback in a different way. You know, I think, um, most of us uh, have received plenty of performance reviews. Um, we have had some form of 360s. And I think there's a certain routine aspect to feedback, right? Um, you know, in, in a business setting, you receive that feedback and you kind of take, you take what, what resonates and some of it might kind of annoy you a little bit and then you move <laughs> on and wait for the next performance review. I, I guess what I would invite people to do is to think about that feedback a little bit differently with a a different type of curiosity and say, you know, there is definitely stuff about me that I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to learn it. 
And so how could I look at this feedback and, and try to, to anchor in on something that's just outside of my awareness that might be of use to me if I could be aware of it? And so I think that that curiosity might allow us all to, to think about feedback in a slightly different way and, and make use of it in a different way. And, and so I think, you know, if you were to do this, I think you'd find some themes, you'd find some patterns, um, especially if you repeated it over time. And I think that's what I think about when I think, you know, uh, everyday development, you know, a practice of development as opposed to a, a learning um, event. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think, you know, feedback is probably one of the, the most useful ways that we can learn about ourselves and um, just broaden that boundary of awareness. Oh, that's excellent. I love that. I love the, the whole idea. And, and I think that you're right. I, it, you know, I think we've become, we're so performance driven in our organizations in the United States that we make everything about getting it done uh, without thinking about what's the journey, what's the process involved in that. And thinking then tying that to the development of develop and change incrementally over time uh, to be what it is or who it is that you want to become. I think those are things that would serve us well, well both personally uh, and organizationally as well. So thank you for that. Yeah. So I warned us about this, right? We knew <laughs> <laughs> we're coming up on our time. On our, so um, Trisha, I'm actually going to ask you to ask the last question. So number seven, can you ask the last question? Thank you. Thanks. So Michael, when you look to the future, what are you excited about regarding coaching? And what are you excited about regarding Hudson? Hmm. I'm very excited um, about coaching and about Hudson, you know, so I think, um, with coaching and, and in everything that we're doing um, at Hudson as an organization, I think maybe the, the idea that I'm most excited about is this idea that um, a culture of development is the lifeblood of a vibrant organization. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just about some people having a coach or some leaders getting trained with some coaching skills. It's about building coaching into the, the, the um, as, as a mechanism into the organization so that people are receiving feedback, people are having customized development opportunities on a regular basis so that individuals can grow in their roles and also as people. I think this is what I'm excited about. And, um, you know, H Hudson does a lot of work um, to train coaches and also with, with organizations. And, um, and there's just a lot that we're learning about how to instill some of these mechanisms at the organization, organizational level in order to um, sustain development over time. Um, I think that what's interesting about coaching is if you were to ask um, Hudson 10 years ago, we would have said coaching happens in you know, six to 12 month engagements in a one-on-one -on -one setting. And it's totally different now. You know, It can be bite-sized, it can be longer term, uh, we understand so much more about uh, how effective coaching works now than we did 10 years ago. And I think at the same time, the field is really very new. Um, so, you know, we exist because we're, we're here standing on the shoulders of all of these adjacent fields, psychology, leadership development, the change theory. And um, at Hudson, well, something we're really committed to is um, advancing this as a field of study. Um, you know, we, we always are careful to to talk about coaching as a field rather than an industry. 
because that's important to us, that this is a field that's developing. It's a field that, um, you know, a lot of great research has gone into it. And I think a lot more can and, and will go into developing out what we know as coaching. And so that's something that we're really committed to at Hudson and many others are committed to it as well. It's so exciting. And I am excited about future coaching. I think that it is evolving. Even in my short time of being a certified coach, I feel like I am learning so much now that I don't think I was ready to hear the message on two years ago. So, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, it's not, there is no set formula with respect to how long it takes or when somebody gets enlightened. You know, those things happen over time and it's, it's very individual. So it's, uh, it's exciting, Michael. Tricia, what's, what's the most useful way for you to learn as a coach at, at this point? Um, I think I, I learn as I experience. So, you know, as, as I coach other people or as I am coached myself, um, the insights that come from what I'm hearing, um, I have to stay curious. And as I stay curious and, and am present with the people I'm coaching, they divulge all sorts of things that inform me. And what I do for, with that is usually I spend a lot of reflective time trying to, to make sense of it in my own world. Um, but it also helps me as I coach other folks who may come up with something similar, I then sort of have a point of reference. It doesn't mean that I have an answer. It just means that it's not something that's so foreign to me. But it, even if it were foreign, it wouldn't matter. It's, it's, it's learning. It's exciting. That er experiential, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually doing it. We know that, right? We talk a lot about this actually in our leadership <clears throat> development um, that we do around, it's important to have new information for sure. You know, learning something, you know, going to a seminar, reading a book, reading an article, watching a podcast. Um, of course you believe in podcasts, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then if you don't apply it, if you don't try it, if you don't share it, um, if you don't think about it, if you don't think about it, yeah, then it's yeah. gone. And so, yeah, it's that application piece and then processing, which um, I participate in the supervision um, and that Hudson offers. And I know other coaching programs do something similar, but that's, that's that real, um, sort of 360 piece of that, the learning, the practicing, the sharing, the, you know, trying again, doing it, something new and different. So learning from each other, learning from the, the, um, the mentor coach. And so it's, um, that works really well. It just seems so important to stay connected like that with community. Um, there, yeah. are so many, there are so many other coaches out there and leaders who have um, just more nuggets, if you want to use my term, but things that you may not have really thought about or things that you have thought about, but they've experienced it in a different way. And just to have that discussion sometimes is so rich. It's an amazing field. Well, I have to close us out because um, our time is our time is up. But boy, Michael, we could have spent, I know, all day talking with you. So 
and really appreciate the time that you have spent with us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Crystal, Danielle, Tricia. And thanks for letting me sneak in my own question at the end. I had to <laughs> So I'm going to do our formal closing. So in closing, I want to remind our audience to send in their questions about leadership and leading in these unprecedented times. And we will try and answer them on air in an upcoming podcast. So send your questions to leadershipandlattes at gmail.com. That's leadership and A-N-D, lattes at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about us or the show, please go to thepinnaclecc.com. That's thepinnaclecc.com. Technical support is um, brought to us by Ari Chance Roberts. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. And share with other leaders like yourself that you think would benefit from this podcast. So thank you, Trisha and Danielle and Michael for um, being with us today. And I look forward to our next podcast. Thanks to our audience for listening and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.